Yes, indeed. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this very beautiful day, for this opportunity, Lord God, in your world to take a stand for you, for righteousness and truth. I thank you, Jesus Christ, Son of God, that you died on the cross for us and rose from the dead, that you are the captain of the hosts, that you are coming again, and that you have secured this place through your blood. You've secured us in your kingdom. I thank you, Lord God, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that the God of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the God of this age are bound in the name of Jesus Christ and removed from this scene, Father, by the power and promise and word of God that you declared it, Lord, and it will happen. I thank you, Lord, for the day, for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive the revelation of your love and truth through your word, through your Holy Spirit, that we will not be deceived in these last days, that we will not be taken up, caught off guard, seduced, persuaded, um, and stripped of our, our power, our authority, our eternal salvation, Father. I thank you now that you would cause us to speak clearly um, with the mind of Christ to give us your wisdom, uh, as we go through this portion of the book of Mark, thank you for your word. Amen. Amen. Hey, good morning. This is very serious good, business, is it not? Good morning, good afternoon, serious. good evening, depending on when you're listening. Walking, to living on this planet is serious business, actually very deadly. And it, it is. It's it full is. of pitfalls, it's, dangers. Yeah, there's, it's a minefield. There's yeah. a song years ago called It's a Minefield. And it really is, you know, that we we are so dependent on the Lord and and to being able to hear his voice to walk in his he spirit says, mm-hmm. his sheep know his voice and if you know Jesus as your savior learn to follow his voice you know his voice it comes through the written word comes through the holy spirit and you just have to just lay aside everything else and just follow me but follow tu- me, but Jesus tuning said. in it's it's not it's like the radio in the olden days the radio dial where you had to tune in the frequency to the station that you wanted to listen to but the thing is, there were many, many frequencies all crossing each yep, other. Yep. You'd, hear, you, you'd hear three stations in at once sometimes yeah, in, yeah, the, but the, the, in the old days. Yeah, but the thing is, and that's the same but today, there's to many many voices, many many um, uh, things that you know distract us from hearing the voice of God. So today, what are we talking about? Well, in Mark uh, chapter 12, uh, and then he said to the verse 38, verses 38 through 40, and this is kind of like our uh, launch-off point here today. Mm-hmm. Then he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, in his teaching, beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, <laughs> love greetings in the marketplaces, mm-hmm. the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses, and for, pre- for a pretense make long prayers, these will receive greater condemnation. Now, the, the scribes, uh, he warned them about these scribes. And Jesus has warnings, and we'll be talking mm-hmm. about that today. Warnings to the people. Warnings about the ones who are supposed to lead them mm-hmm. in the knowledge of God. You know, it's interesting. You talk about scribes. You're going to tell us about that in a minute. But the scribes, Pharisees, um, and 
actually in the Old Testament, there was not a, a classification that I remember uh, that God told him to not be listening to the listening to the Pharisees. You got to be get under yourself, get under a rabbi or a scribe. There was none of that, um, you know, set forth in the the, the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Well, yeah. well, this was a thing that had said sort of uh, uh, it, it evolved, I guess you would say, um, over the course of this religious journey that the, the the Jewish people were on. Well, the religious part of the religious journey was the oppression of the Romans, the influence of the Greeks, the philosophy, the influence of the rationalization rationalism, intellectualism, mm-hmm. uh, paganism, all, paganism, yeah. all these Greek gods and then all these Roman gods and this was this this was hung over that whole Roman world and infiltrating this mm-hmm. whole Roman world. So the Jewish people at the days of Jesus, you know, they're occupied territory. Right. By the so, Romans. So by the Romans and so they wanted to uh establish a, a way, a system of keeping the the purity, so to speak. Sure, uh, of the Word of God. Uh, of the Word that of God, uh, of, of the knowledge of one true living God in the midst of all this paganism. So it started out as a good good thing. Well, you, yeah, and it became like most good things and many good things, exploited, extrapolated, um, uh, evolving into... Uh, exploitation, I suppose you would say. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what Jesus is making a reference to here. He know well, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the scribes were the uh, copyists of the Old Testament uh, scriptures. So they were there. They didn't have, you know, printing presses. They didn't have, uh, uh, you know, sure. that, that sort of thing. You know, like we texting. have, of course, we have today, <laughs> texting. <laughs> Microsoft Word, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, they didn't have all that. So they would hand copy the scriptures. So it was a very important task that they had to make sure they copied them exactly. They were also called lawyers. Oh. Now we think of a lawyer as, you know, we have a modern version of the law. They're supposed to be people who understand know the, the law, law and mm-hmm. understand the law. And they were, But they were called lawyers, the law being the law of Moses, um, not the law of the Constitution like we have today, which is pretty much being ignored. But um, they were also part of the Sanhedrin. In Jesus' day now, mm-hmm. they were part of the Sanhedrin, which is like the Jewish legislature, and they also acted as the Supreme Court in the land. So what they did, the scribes didn't receive any salary. Mm-hmm. So they were dependent on the people to give to them. But what they did is because of their position. Oh, these are holy men. They holy men, they, yes. Holy men, that, holier than us, holier that, than thou. <laughs> right. That copy the scriptures and and so what they would do is they would exploit wealthy people, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, say, you know, hey, have you them know, finance them, invest in their in in their work, work yeah. and then they would also go and exploit poor widows. Always uh, the widows. Why the widows? Uh, because they're, even today, the widows—they're oh, gullible, naive, well, we'll, lonely. We'll, we'll talk about okay, that too. All right, in a minute. But they—they yeah. they persuaded the widows to give way more than they could afford, and then the, these scribes were living in luxury. Isn't that amazing? Uh, and that's uh, really, and, and that's they, really their whole deal deceptive, was, isn't it? Right. Right. So th- we have the same thing today. We'll get into it. Well, a they're bit later. using God as an opportunity. They're 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 opportunists. They're taking their their pr- privilege or 
advantage in understanding the law or writing because not everybody could write, read, and write. And they would use that to exploit the people. Just like today, the lawyers, we don't know these little law things that they know. And so they exploit the poor people who have no money, who must go to them because the whole system is set up to, to drive you into a court to system. To make the lawyers wealthy. Yeah. And so that's to, yeah. t- that's today. And not every lawyer. But and not, but yeah. we thank God for the good lawyers. But the thing is, too, um, these going back to how Jesus describes them, he says, you know, he's looking at the they, they're, there's a interesting thing about their appearance. He says, um, long robes, long robes, uh, greetings in the market. Well, let's start with long robes, long robes, robes. Um, today we have, you know, we always use clothing. Clothing is always a way to determine rank, um, occupation, um, enemy or foe or friend. Uh, sometimes. So the garments, the garments, the, the long garments, they were exceptionally, sometimes they had these broad, broad flactories or, you know, borders, borders, hems, decorative thing on the, on the bottom of the, of the robe, something to sign like rank, you know, like, like we have the, the brand name stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, not only brand name, but uh, not carrying us, you know, that's a silly thing about brandings. You're carrying on advertising for someone else. Right. I mean, you're, you're for nothing, you know, Plus, you have to pay to do it by buying their clothing. Anyway, that's yeah. a different thing. But the, the vestments, look at how that kind of, you know, using the word evolved again, came down through the centuries. Now we have all the, the vestments uh, in the, for example, in the church. The Catholic church is very full of vestments. I grew up there and there was uh, different colors for different seasons, different Sundays, different different holy days, feast days, purple, gold, white. White was kind of for, I think, a normal day. Um there were red, there were green, and they all had, and they all had beautiful golden tapestries sewn into them, and blah blah blah. Anyway, so these vestments are to bring awe and respect and distance between the people and the priest, between the people and the Pharisee, and the, the clergy, the clergy, the right? Yeah. So that so so the really Satan class. is trying to create in this whole vestment culture, um, garment culture, rank and uniforms. So the like the men of the cloth, the people, the white collars, they were they were respected. They were well. Hopefully, they would have been respectable people, you know. But they these things were used to identify the preachers, the pastors, the the men of you know the word. Men um, of the cloth. Men of the cloth. <laughs> right. um, they, these were also ways to not only identify who's who, but to distinguish and create a hierarchy or a, a ranking system within even the church. I mean, we know we have that in the military, and that's how they keep order and they follow rank, and that's mm-hmm. there's nothing really bad about that. I mean, obviously there's a lot of place for um, abuse in any kind of ranking system mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. people can lord it over those underneath them or enslave them or terrify them, which, which is what happened. You get certain men who put on a, a robe of some sort, and all of a sudden they're transformed into a holy man. But underneath that robe, they're probably just the same old, vile, wicked, unconverted soul that they were before. It's now that, that you're, you're being faked out because of the pretty robes. And I think this is kind of what Jesus was getting at somewhat. There was a, we have to look beyond just the, what the eye will give you because the eye can be deceived. Oh, the, you know, and the, the scribes were all about the outward appearance, the outward Absolutely. show, and yeah. the, the having the respect and praises of people. Of men, of they men, think, yeah. oh, these are such holy men, and oh, yes, yes, we are the holy elite. And what does it say that they did? Uh, they, 
They wore long robes. They mm-hmm. loved the greetings in the rock. Oh, you know, reverend, or, or we could say reverend or pastor or, uh, you know. They took you respect with the distinction. Respect with their Yeah, their, yeah, their you title. see their, but you see them, you recognize them, sometimes through their clothing, position, whatever. And there's a there's an automatic respect because they're, they're expre- expressing to you something that's supposedly holy, uh, godly, uh, divine, whatever. And so we're all just kind of with a built-in respect for the divine. And so say, they were exploiting people using that. And Jesus goes on to say... Well, yeah, it says they love the best seats in the synagogues. Right. The best places. When Jesus, in his teaching, he said, when you go to a feast, mm-hmm. you take the lowest place. Don't, you know, they were going for the best place too, so they would have the recognition, the place of honor. And Jesus said the place of honor is you come in, you take the lowest place. You don't, you know, assume, presume that you are going to go into the best place. Yeah. And it's honorable if you take the lowest place and then someone says to you, oh, hey, you know, brother, come up higher. Come up over here. Mm-hmm. Do that rather than uh, if you he said you can embarrass yourself, too. You take the highest place and right, so if someone higher comes in, you're going to get you know, move to a lower place and then, oh man, people are not going to think well of you. So, um, you know, it's not, they love the praises of men more than the praises praises Mm -hmm. of God. And Jesus was calling attention to this. This is very important stuff because he had put up with watching the spiritual abuse that had been going on for many, many decades, if not centuries, uh, regarding his people. Not only were they oppressed by Rome, you know, and the and the heathen cultures, and cut off and ostracized and kept from certain job positions, I'm sure, and and advancements. But they were also there was also this uh, notorious ranking uh, and elitism that was developing in the in his own people, and I believe that's why Jesus began to address this, and he addressed it from a very basic point of view. It's where where do you sit? What do you wear? How do you greet people? in the marketplaces. So it wasn't just, the, he wasn't even looking at the inward heart yet, but, but what the heart is full of gets expressed in the actions, in the words, in the, in the decisions that we make. So it was truly going on in the heart, but Jesus was calling attention to the external expressions of these things. And of course, some of us are so smart beyond this that we say, well, if I take the lowest place, then I'll, they'll think I'm humble. You know, that can be a flip too, right, you know, false exactly. humility. Yeah, Just yeah. be and go where the Holy Spirit leads you. Don't try to figure out where you fit in this thing. You fit. God created you. Go where you're supposed to go. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Um, that's the freedom we have. There is no rank in Christ now. There's not male or female or one greater or less. There's no distinctions that we would like to have, but we do have to honor, like Paul and Timothy, for example, uh, Timothy honored Paul as his teacher and spiritual father, a spiritual father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we still have those kinds of spiritual. Well, uh, there's nothing wrong positions. with having respect for truly godly people or, or position, but to well, abuse we, that to, position is what yeah, I believe Jesus is what, really going that's after. What Jesus here. was going after yeah. here. Yeah. And, and a lot of times see what happens. Something that starts out as something good to preserve the identity of the people mm-hmm. to follow the law of God in the midst of a pagan influence. So right. th- there's nothing wrong with wanting to do that. Keep, let's keep people godly. Let's keep people aware of the one true living God. That's fine. But they had, but it got so Warped. twisted. Mm-hmm. It got so 
uh, degenerated into degenerated the same in, old human things. In, in, in what happened, is instead of... Um, they did everything... Right. They were they were so concerned about doing everything right mm-hmm. that they were doing everything wrong, mm-hmm. and they developed their own systems of of, of rules and rules and rules. And, yeah. Well, and, and, and people disagreed. There were there was division between the Pharisees and the Sadducees about uh, you know which laws were more important than others. Well, part uh, and in one of the one of the things that. Um, Basically, they were phonies, right? And and one person said their behavior oppressed and misled the people they were supposed to lead. And I really believe that when you find some well, that's of what this, Jesus says. You find some of this in Matthew, right, twenty three. Well, yeah, and in, in Matthew chapter nine, when he saw the verse thirty six, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Now, you could say, well, it's just, you know, because they were lost. Why were they lost? Well, they didn't have the right connection with God. And a part of it, mm-hmm. they were weary with scattered. They were weary, I think, with Jesus said that you put you put all these laws he- and rules burdens. on, heavy burdens on people. Mm-hmm. You got to do this and you got to do this. And let me read it for you. you. They were just wearing people Matthew out. Matthew 23. Well, we got to go to Matthew 23 yep. now. This is a big, so long chapter. if you chapter. have your Bible... Big, long chapter all about the Pharisees. And Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, Now, I'm sure there are scribes and Pharisees in this, in this group, in this crowd. The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So what is Jesus going to say about this spiritual abuse, really, that's been going on for many decades? He's walked on the scene. God in heaven came down, made, <laughs> walked among us as Jesus Christ, as the Word of God made flesh. What's he going to say about this particular abuse? There's a lot of abuse going on. There's, um, you know, people controlled by demons. There's uh, exploitation, uh, war. There's death. There's uh, blindnesses. There's uh, um, crippled diseases, things going on. But what's he going to do with this spiritual abuse thing? So he says, therefore, when these Pharisees and scribes, they sit in Moses' seat. Yes, they're there to continue the word, um, the instruction of the the Torah and keep people, you know, walking on that straight and uh, narrow way. Therefore, whatever they tell you to do, to observe that, observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. In other words, they've fallen into the, the trench of being a hypocrite. They, they, tell you the right things, but they don't do them themselves. And you know if there's anything that really irritates most human beings more than anything else? It's double standards and hypocrisy. I mean, it rises the, 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 the fur, uh, get, gets people upset because it's, it's, a, it's a smack of injustice right in your face. But anyway, so they were doing one thing and saying another. They, and he says, so don't do what they do. Don't follow them that way. For here's what they're doing. And just what you said, Jerry, they're, they're binding heavy burdens hard to bear, and laying them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. So they're making it, you're obligated to do these many uh, rituals and sacrifices and offerings and and uh, gi- giving of various things. It's kind of extortion in a way because the Pharisees would, I think, sink to the depth of using God as a means to extort from the people, not only money, but also praise and, and, and recognition uh, and maintain their rank 
among the people. Now, this cannot be uh, orchestrated by the Spirit of God. Something had happened where the Spirit of God had left this scene, and now the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees were running a show that looked mm-hmm. like God, but it was but it was all for show, and it wasn't had nothing to do with God. Oh, and you think? Okay, think. Look on the scene today. Today, the, yes. The, we could call it the the religious scene. Mm-hmm. Look at. You know, exploitation evangelists, many evangelists, not all pastors, I'm, I'm too. Not, I'm not painting a, a really with a wide brush here, but we can play with a pretty wide brush because it's 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 predominant degenerated. So, you have people that are you know well known, they have a, maybe a, a, a mega church or a small church, or a small church, a little or culty they have church, a t- TV mm-hmm. ministry, mm-hmm. big TV ministry where they're all over the world. They're asking, you know, wanting to support their the, the machine that they have operated. And many of these people are living very opulent, opulent lifestyle. <laughs> I mean, not just, you know, oh, they say, well, we're blessed by God. Well, mm-hmm. no, the real part of the deal is you're just being greedy and you're exploiting the people mm-hmm. that believe in you, that are so enamored with your teaching. And you have Mesmerized. people, you know, give, give. Um, you know, give and give sacrificially so we can continue our luxurious lifestyle. And, oh, God, it's going to bless you. And, and, and So nothing has changed. Nothing really. this has changed. Is, this it's is the just, same deal, except Except now they have to, they get to use TV and modern TV, means to exploit. Internet, everything yeah. to exploit Well, you know, people. this problem, I just address it quickly from the early church, too. Paul is saying in Philippians, he says, some indeed preach Christ even through envy and strife, and some also through goodwill. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? So in this big dilemma, what was Paul going to do? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in that I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. And the irony of the whole thing is you can't put a a yes or a no, a black or a white on this. You you know, even though we can observe that this is very... uh, uh, I would say, uh, abusive in the use of God's heart and, and God's word and God's salvation and God's invitation to come to him. And many people use that to, again, exploit these desperate people. Well, um, no, but no. at the same time, but at the same time, God is working in some of these most negative, nasty, oppressive situations to save people. So God is not restricted. He can use a, a, a crummy, well, I'll use the word crummy. Crummy can be whatever you want it to be. Uh, a, a preacher, an evangelist, or whatever that is uh, uh, um, uh, exploiting the word of God, a pretending preacher, as Paul is talking about. But nonetheless, people are getting saved through it because the mm-hmm. word of God does not return void. So yeah. I know people who have been saved under the the uh, the, the, the preaching, worst, some of the yeah. worst ministries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> and so, all things God is both Satan and God are always working at the same time at the same place to do the opposite thing. So we we're not here to um, say that this is all a loss and all a wash and God is weak and he can't do anything here. As a matter of fact, in the midst of some of the devil's most um, horrific advancements, God does the greatest things. Yeah, and there's and there's a lot of people too that are, you know, biblically ignorant and 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 are victims of of a twisted of fear. theology. Of fear. Incorrect theology. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what I'm saying we're not talking about uh, just theology. We're not equating the- theology with philosophy or opinion. 
But but what you have is theology means the study of God, which is the truth is God's word. But there are there are twistings of God's word and say, well, we need to go, you know, beyond God's word because we have this special revelation or that mm-hmm. special revelation. Yeah. And then pretty soon what happens is people are trying to fit into that sort of special revelation of special mm-hmm. re- revelation and philosophy secret knowledge instead of mm-hmm. the the word of god absolutely as, absolutely as and this has been the key and in, in, in the front from the beginning when eve was seduced by the enemy deceived into looking at that tree of the knowledge of good and evil she was seduced by the idea that this could make her wise and there must, is a desire for wisdom more. Yeah, well, and, and, and hidden, hidden knowledge. Hidden. The tree, the knowledge of good and evil was was hidden to them. That God did not give them access to evil. They only had access to good. And so they didn't even know what evil probably was. I mean, who knows? How, what, do you, right. what is it? You don't have anything to no define ex- it by or no comp- compare it with. It. So, so, but but this, this luring for hidden knowledge is the de- definition of the occult. That is what occult means. It means hidden knowledge. And so these... Uh, people were believing they're stupid and ignorant and they can't learn anything. These other guys got all the knowledge and so we have to follow them. But the Pharisees were, in truth, they had really forsaken the wisdom of God. And there is a demonic wisdom, as James talks about, devilish demonic wisdom, the wisdom of the world. But they had been, they had not only been deceived of themselves, but they really had been bought off, I believe, by the God of this world who was there to uh, use them. Even as he mocked them, he was using them to put a very bitter taste in the mouths of the hungry, those who were hungry for God. So there was the exploitation, there was flattery, there was false piety, there was pretension. And the Pharisees and the scribes used the burdensome letter of the law, which Jesus was talking about here, to hold back the people from knowing the truth that they themselves could have a relationship with God. And I think in every denomination, in every religious system, we see this same pattern of the hierarchy. There's the laity, and then there's the clergy. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus came to break down that middle wall of partition between us. So there's now neither, like I said before, there's not a, a higher ranking class. Everybody has a soul. I my soul is of, is of much is as much value as the Pope's. Although I would not want to have the soul of the Pope these days. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, a soul is a soul, and you have. We're all now kings and priests unto God, and that means that you go to the Word yourself. Yes, you can have a pastor, you can have mentors, you can have Bible study leaders, but you still must go to the Word of God yourself. You have to eat for yourself. You know, I can go to the restaurant and I can watch everybody eating these beautiful meals, extravagant meals. I can watch them being waited on. I can watch the food being prepared in front of them, even in front of me, in front of me. But if I do not partake of the food, if I do not eat myself, no one can eat for me. The pastor can try to feed you, dish you up a little lunch here, there, here and there. But you, that's one meal. You need about 21 meals a, a, a week, you know, approximately. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're going to just live on one meal, one little half, packed lunch the the pastor gives you in a one-hour sermonette on a Sunday morning when it's scattered well, all over the place it's disconnected long. with everything and anything shorter oh yeah well yeah. whatever eat your lunch fast okay so then if you if that's what you're gonna live on you're gonna die just face it 
You're not a superhuman. You One have to eat the word. snack a week yeah. is not going to sustain yeah. I'm snacking on the word of God. Well, you, you, you can snack in the word of God from time to time. Obviously, it's fine to snack, but, but you must you also only, consume yeah, yeah, good if word. Yeah, like I said, if you only snack from the word of God, and, and hopefully you're getting it from the word of God. Not but just but we've been trained, honey. We have been, people have been trained to go, okay, if I go to church, I've been to church now. I've done my I've godly the, duty. I've God's, gotten the word of God. God's off my back. I can live my life, you know, at least free from guilt for at least six to ten hours, you know, and and then I can do what I want, and then I feel guilty again. It's it's really, a, it it's a false solution. It doesn't really take care of the guilt, the condemnation, the confusion, the fear. Fear is the big deal. Am I okay? Am I okay with God? So the Pharisees were causing people living under the premise of you're not okay. You've got to listen to me. You've got to do what we say. You've got to give us money. And yet the Pharisees themselves were taking, like you said, all these shortcuts and these quick fixes and this instant gratification. And they would not, while they were appearing to uphold those dogmatic restrictions of the law. So they were using the law to oppress the people. Mm-hmm. It says, um, where there is no law, the Bible says in Romans, where there is no law, there is no transgression. So conversely, then, where there is a law, there is transgression. So the Pharisees needed the law as a, as a whipping uh, rod or whatever to keep the people fearful and in line, as did the priests in the medieval days, you know, with their indulgences and their fear of hell, all of these things to exploit the, the fears of the people in order to keep them in place. And yet those people were not given the word of God. They couldn't read it. They were not allowed to read it. They were told you can't understand it. Only the elite can understand it. And that is pretty, pretty much changed, I think, now. The, uh, there are no, you know, the word of God is very accessible. As a matter of fact, it's almost too many Bibles out there, and half of them are probably too, poorly, too poorly translated. Poor, yeah. But... But so they, the, the, these Pharisees did not really care about the the, the souls of the people, um, but they were again just opportunists. That's all they were. Um, they actually didn't, you know. And even today, I have to say this too: that people who exploit godly people, uh, Christian people, who leaders who exploit their people, and live these lavish, opulent lifestyles, I don't know how how they can live with their consciences. I don't know how they can... Their consciences are gone. They, there's an entitlement. Mm. There's an entitlement. Blindness, We deception. are the people of God. We are the anointed of God. We're blessed of God. And and that's that's the rationale. Well, not only that, but the problem is there's a misteaching of the Word of God. The Word of God is not properly taught. They're not saying, come unto Jesus, you know, uh, he is the way. He is your salvation. They're saying, "Come unto me. Come through my church doors, and we will, you know, be a member, and we will, you know, join us, join this club, and we've got, you know, the access. We've got free tickets into heaven or whatever." But it's it's not that. That's not the way it works. It's it's this salvation is available to anybody, even a child who has never seen the church, or even heard the name of Jesus, the Lord God can reveal himself to that child and he can be saved. So what you're talking about is, you know, that there's so much false teaching. You know, Jesus said, um, beware of hypocrites, Mm -hmm. beware of false teachers. Matthew chapter 7, who come to you, I think it's verse 15, says, 
uh, beware of false teachers, false prophets. Who, who come, come to you in, sh- in sheep's, uh, sheep's clothing, clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous they're wolves. Ravenous Jesus wolves. said that. And then he says right after, he says, by you their fruits know, you shall know them. Know them by your fruits, mm-hmm. yes. And even Paul said, he says, after my departure, ravenous, savage wolves will come in among you. And they'll even be from among you. They'll even be part. Yeah, yeah. yeah they will tear, rip apart the flock and bring discouragement. And that's what we have today. We have the flock of Jesus Christ absolutely bloody, ripped apart, and dying, um, you know, because they don't have water, they don't have pasture, they are, are uh, cast, that means they're on their backs, they can't get up, they're, they're entrapped, and there are very, very few, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying, you know, there are just very few true servants of God, I believe, who will go out of their way, like the Good Samaritan, go out of their way Jesus used the the Levite and the the priest, didn't he, as the other two uh, to right. contrast with the the Good Samaritan. These are the religious leaders, um, and I'm not saying they were busy. They were busy on their way to church, you know. And and I'm not saying that the little old man or the little old woman who cr- cries out and thinks they're dying, and then maybe they are dying, and they cry for the priest to come or the the pastor to come and pray over them. You know, you may get a a, a pastor or a priest that's absolutely worthless. I'll just say. Uh, you know, not judging them, but discerning well, their lifestyle. Yeah. But nonetheless, your act of calling for them, your act of faith, your act of wanting God to be pleased for for what you know, you're doing what you know. God will honor that. He doesn't say, well, you got the wrong priest here. Well, you got a man who didn't care, so I'm not going to listen to you. No, God listens to you. God knows your heart. God knows the mm-hmm. treachery. He knows the bind you're in. So the best thing to do is... I know it's good to have other people pray for you, but it's really good for you to make contact with the Lord God yourself. But unfortunately, most people have been so uh, pushed down, so overwhelmed, overcome. So um, there's such a disconnect between them and God because of all the lies, because of all the, the, this world, the flattery, the deceptions that many people believe that they can't make contact with God. But Jesus Christ, he, he is, he, he say, well, I'm, I don't feel close to God right now. I feel far away from God. Um, well, let me ask you a question. Or you say, I need to get closer to God. Well, the question is not, do you need, where, the question is really, where is God? Well, God is technically everywhere because he's om- omnipresent. And God is also inside of you. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, he's deposited the Holy Spirit inside of you. The Holy Spirit is still there. Um, whether you sin or not, he doesn't pack his suitcase every time you do something naughty and walk out the door and come back later. He stays. He's on deck. He's on, He's always there. That's why that little part of your heart or spirit, we'll call it the spirit actually, is always there, aware of, you know, the, you, you can't outrun God. Even if people, and they've said this, they've tried to go to the depths of hell, drugs, addictions, whatever you want to call it, and they can't outrun God because he's with you. So he is with you right now. The question is, the deception is, you believe because you cannot feel him. You cannot feel his presence. You then conclude that he is not with you. He is not there. He has stepped out. He's mad at you. He's disappointed with you. And now you need all of these demonic remedies to get back to God. You've got to do the penance. You've got to, you know, whatever all of those solutions Satan gives us to deal with our, the sin that he's enticed us, deceived us into committing, all of these things. But God's remedy is very simple. It's repent and confess. Repent means you change your mind, you come to your senses, you realize, oh, that was not 
what I wanted to do. And Paul says even, a lot of times in Romans seven twenty, people are doing what they don't want to do. He says, if I am doing what I do not want to do, it is not me doing it. It is the sin that dwells in me. This is very black and white. This is very clear. And yet the church is not taught upon this. And the world teaches the exact opposite, even in the church, in our systems and society. We teach all the opposite, that you did it. You do the crime. You do the time. It's your responsibility. Take Now, I understand in this rule of law and order, there has to be that culpability. There has to be that, um, that you know, uh, you know, taking the criminals in hand and putting them somewhere where they're not going to hurt people. I get that. But at the same time, um, the, taking responsibility internally, we need to understand that if you are doing something that you're trying to quit, for example, any kind of an addiction, if you're trying to quit something you cannot stop, there is a force in you that is not you. Satan, uh, sin, Paul calls it sin, the sin that, that dwells in within dwells you, within me. That, yes. that needs to be dealt with. And that we don't, we think that that sin can be dealt with by more willpower or by a, more self-control or my discipline or by some other following religious steps. prescription. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it cannot be. It must be cast out. It must be. Re- you must repent. You must cancel out your agreement with it. That's where it's hooking you is in the agreement. So if you've got something going on in you that you can't quit, you need to ask the Lord, what is the lie? Because the lie will reveal to you the agreement that you made with fear. It's always an agreement you made with fear. Fear, you know, whether it's addictions. I mean, that's just an easy one. Uh, maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's uh, homosexuality. Maybe it's um, uh I don't know what, whatever the sin is, sin is, you know, something that we, we do that's contrary to our divine nature that makes us feel guilty. And so to get rid of it, you have to go God's way. But Satan will offer you all kinds of expensive solutions like penance and indulgences as well. Again, taking advantage of guilt and fear that have set you up to be, to feel like I cannot get through to God. If you have to wait for a priest or a pastor or someone to pray for you, you may not make it. Mm-hmm. You need to pray for yourself. In the, the Holy Spirit's inside of you. He will make intercession for you before the Lord God, but you just have to check in with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, back to this, <laughs> this Pharisee, the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus said in Matthew twenty three thirteen. he said, but woe to you. In other words, woe means... Stop. It's really going to be bad halt. for you. It's really going to be bad for you, scribes yeah. and Pharisees, hypocrites. Mm-hmm. Hypocrites, the ones who mer- wear a mask. That's where we get the term actor. I'd say the ones who made them, uh, wear a mask, they pretend they're someone they're not. Yeah. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. So it's like... They were, they were standing in the doorway. It was like somebody standing in the doorway. They won't go in themselves, and they won't let anybody else in. And, and that's what they were doing. They were resisting Jesus. They were resisting the kingdom of God, yeah. seeking but constantly they, yeah. to attack him, to accuse him, to catch him at his words, to kill him even. But they were, were messing around, interfering with people who are right. hungry and wanting to come into the kingdom of God. Because the people did not know that they could come in directly, whosoever will. You don't have to have an escort into the kingdom of God. It's helpful sometimes. But you don't have to have someone giving you permission, like a, a Pharisee or a scribe, to come into the kingdom of God. Yes, maybe they can give you instructions. Maybe a priest, a pastor can give you some instructions. But the thing is that you have full access we have full access to the Lord God, the, the throne of grace mm-hmm. and mercy, 
the court of intercession right now ourselves doesn't matter who whosoever will whosoever means whoever yeah and it's like that's by salvation by grace alone by faith alone uh and and sola scripture scriptura was the um latin term of the scriptures we go by the word of god and that's that's part of the reformation right way back in the back in the day uh, it was that that you can come to Christ directly. You don't have to so come they were through throwing off. A, a religious system. You don't have to come through That's some right. elite religious priesthood hierarchy. Hierarchy, very well established, very demonic. Uh, yeah. and, and so oh. Martin Luther was coming back to the revelation of what we're exactly talking about. You don't need to be uh, have all of this rigmarole, hierarchy, priests, bishops, cardinals, popes, etc., to be okay with God. That you have a soul, and what is happening here is we are persuaded by fear to believe I am not smart enough, I am not um, capable enough of taking care of my own soul before the Lord. But you are the only one who's going to suffer if that soul ends up in the wrong place. You do need to mind your soul. You need not just mind your manners. You need to mind and pay attention to your soul. Your soul is your body and your mind, will, and emotions that are connected. It's called flesh. But we also have a spirit. Now, as you're saved, you have a spirit that bears witness with your spirit. God's Holy Spirit comes to bear witness with your spirit. The minute you get saved, your spirit, the spirit of a man in Proverbs 20, 27, is a candle of the Lord, searching all the inner rooms of the heart. And the candle is worthless until it's lit. When you get saved, born again, the candle gets lit. And the Holy Spirit comes in to begin to take you on a guided tour of your own life to show you what you need to address. And whether the pastor ever preaches about that on a Sunday morning or not, if God is using his Holy Spirit to convict you of something you need to do, you need to do it. Sometimes the pastor will say something that God will use to confirm to you a word that you, something, a way you need to walk in. But right now, there's so much lies, so much deception, so much uh, greed, so much uh, avarice, so much uh, wicked plotting against the righteous that you cannot entrust your soul to the care and keeping of anyone but the Holy Spirit who's inside of you. And like I said, he does not pack his suitcase every time you think a naughty thought. Half the time, those naughty, terrible, sinful thoughts you're thinking are not even yours. And you need to rebuke them before you own them and feel guilty for them. If you have, a, for example, a perverted thought in your mind, a pornographic thought, you know, you're made by God. You don't like those things. You didn't want those things. You're trying to quit doing something that you got tricked into doing maybe five, ten years ago. You say when that thought comes in, you don't say, oh, no, I've got to go get me back to an accountability partner and work on this work. Open your mouth and tell the thing to leave. It's a thing. It's a demonic spirit of perversion, uncleanness, whatever you want to go. That's used an image and is re uh, switching on, turning on, reactivating that image. There are many stored images in your brain because you went to so many movies. And I just went to a movie, Unplanned. And I saw, again, the horror of what's being done in the theater. Now, that movie was very well done and very good and no problems with it. But all of the advertisements for the next movies and shows to come. And then they had this little thing. um, They flashed on the screen when they flashed on some of their various things. The power of picture. I've known this for these brilliant images of color and saturation and intensity are burned into your brain when you sit there staring at that big, huge screen for two hours. Those images, pictures, actions, scenes 
are burned into your brain and Satan can access access them again and again, especially when they're on their lustful scenes, their uh, violent scenes, their bloody, their horrible horror scenes. He will again and again access those to influence your soul. Make you think about that, you know, what we think of, what we think on, what we meditate on, um, as you think, so you become. You're meditating on this garbage, and it kind of takes you away from your focus Mm -hmm. on the goodness and purity and holiness of God and your own holiness. Satan is trying to convince you you're not holy by getting you to look at all the bad things he gets you to do, but he says you're doing them. It's your own choice, and now you've got to get all cleaned up again and and make all this reparation and do all this. You need to repent, change your mind, cast the devil out, and keep going for Jesus under the power of the Holy Spirit. This is, well, this really cuts out the middleman. I think the Pharisees were like the middleman, actually. I think that we have a lot of the middleman opportunities going on today. They were they were corrupt middlemen. It's, it's like uh, just, a, just a quick overview of what Jesus said to them. He said, you're hypocrites, Matthew 23, verse 14. He said it again, hypocrites, verse 15, blind guides, verse 16. Wow. Verse 17, fools and blind. Wow. Verse 19, fools and blind. Uh, verse 23, woe unto you. Mm, hypocrites. Hypocrites. And, and blind guides, blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, Jesus said they were going to both fall in the ditch. Well, in 23, 23, he says, going back just one verse, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and, and anise and cumin, which are spices and, and herbs and things, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law with justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. So they were so nitpicky on, you know, did you give 10% of, you, of your cumin harvest to the Lord? Did you give 10% of your mint harvest to the Lord? I mean... Give it up, it's seriously. Like really? Ten, really? <laughs> I mean, yeah, and so, so what they were... But you, but, but you, and you don't even pay any attention to the to faith and to... Faith to and mercy love and, justice. and mercy and truth and justice. That's what God is looking for, yeah. right? That's, this is what he wants. And, and, but, and he says another thing, uh, hypocrites, yeah. blind Pharisee, woe to you, hypocrites. <laughs> Verse 27, you're like whitewashed tombs. Yeah. In other words, you look, you got all your phylacteries, the borders of your garments are large, mm-hmm. you got the fine apparel, mm-hmm. you walk around, you love greetings in the marketplace, yeah. you love your position, your status, yeah, 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 yeah. and, and, the, and the, the praises of people more than the but praises you know of happening. God. And he said, but what you're doing is you look, you look pretty on the outside, you're mm-hmm. like, you look like uh, sheep on the outside, but you're wolves. You're like whitewashed yeah. tombs, yeah. which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but. but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. There you go. And he says, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of extortion and self-indulgence. And Ooh. this is what people, this is, this is what do people think, pe- the, man, praise, praise of men. There is there is a the profession of religious extortion, extortion is Ex- rampant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, go to your Christian, go to oh, your Christian oh. TV networks. Oh my goodness. Go, go to your self indulgence, extortion, your big, perfect words. Your 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 big time. A lot of your big time preachers. Not everyone, but a lot of your big time preachers. Well, and what they what are they saying? What are they doing? How are they misleading? Living? They're lying. misleading Misusing. and lying to the people. Not even teaching the word of God. Uh, exactly. Not teaching it correctly. 
he said, um, well, then Jesus comes to the point where verse 33, he said, um, serpents, you're brood of vipers. He says, you're, you're, you're a bunch of snakes, all right? Of your father, the, the devil, thinking, he said Oh, these John. are the holy men. These are the holy men. They're they were ho- the resistors to Jesus, and they were— But I think the people knew in their hearts, they're a bunch of—this is just a bunch of I think of they garbage. were happy in their hearts that somebody was frank, calling them out Finally, this stuff. Jesus calls it out. Yeah. Finally, the the people that had hungry hearts were thinking, you but know, then those same this people. is true. They said he spoke with authority, not as the scribes, scribes. and the Pharisees. But the so, thing is, those people who were excited about him finally calling it out because it, conf- it confirmed in their own hearts what was going on. Those people had a great, a great challenge to their faith the day he died on the cross. And, and it's another thing, too, is that there's people listening here today. Maybe you're part of a, a, a church or ministry or something where you know mm-hmm. something's wrong. You see it. Get out. I would say you see the, it. The Bible and you says, know what, you li- what fellowship has light with darkness, Belial with God? It says in First Corinthians chapter 6, I think it is, come out from, you're the temple yeah. of the Holy Spirit. Be not, uh, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not necessarily unbelievers, but they may be. And it says, come out from among them, be separate, touch not the unclean thing, and I will be your God. I'll dwell among you, be with you. So if you're having a problem getting your spiritual life started, you know, you kind of seem to, you know, get it started and then it fizzles out again. It might be time to leave and, you know, say, oh, well, this is the house of God. This is the church of my God. This is where are, I was raised here or, my you know, are here. whatever, whatever, be, you know, be discerning. You know, it may not be what you think it is. Every, nothing is as it appears. Every, there's so much divination and deception out there. So much treachery. So many things that are made to appear what they're not. Please, please, please walk in the, the wisdom and counsel of God, or your, your life really depends upon it. Um, even in the treachery of this world, um, the God of this world is determined, just a little aside here, the God of this world, the God of this age, who blinds the minds, blinds the hearts of the inhabitants of earth, is determined to kill the humans, that those who carry the DNA, the image of God, he is determined to replace them with all kinds of counterfeit Counterfeit AI, intelligences, aliens, God only knows what kind of cross-hybridized transhuman stuff he's got going on. But he is intending to kill the humans. And I want to tell you, he is intending to kill us using what? Nuclear bombs? What? No. Using the air we breathe, using the food we eat, using the household goods and products we buy in the store to bathe with, to clean our teeth with, and to wash in, to 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 you know perfume ourselves, the clothing. He's using the household goods you're buying to kill you and your children. The smartest thing you can do is stop for a second and say, wait a minute, is this the food God gave for us to eat? Is this, do I need to put this smell on my body? Do I need this soap that's full of... Uh, propylene glycol or whatever Do god I only knows to breathe in this aromatic yeah. stuff that i those know, things you every pour, put in pour put in the plugins stop or whatever. go back yeah. to simple go back to clean air the air god the way god made it you know uh, just ask the lord to give you a simple life and not to be so puffed up with i've got to have i've got to have and for crying out loud turn off your television Turn off your radio. You don't need that. Con- that's propaganda. That's tw- every minute 
you have this on. You're allowing your ears, your eyes to be exposed to sights and sounds that for the most part are wicked. I'm serious. Now, I, I, we do pay attention. We do turn on our TV from time to time. Not to watch television. Tell a vision. It's a false vision. It's programming, which is right there in your face. Satan tells you what it is. But I do watch it. We do watch it to catch up on some of the better channels of news and information. Alternative. So, alternative, news. yeah. But the, but the thing is, we, going back to discerning the Pharisees, the blind guides, are we just as bad if we're following? When you have a right, a responsibility, and an obligation for the care of your own soul. Mm-hmm. Well, what Jesus just said about the, the scribes and Pharisees, he says, how can you escape the damnation, condemnation of hell? In other words, the way you're living, you're going yeah. to hell right now. There's no way you can get about, uh, and, around it. So he said, therefore, and look at, he says, uh, verse 34 of, of Matthew 23 uh, and mm-hmm. following. Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Um, these are true scribes. I think. And true prophets, yeah. True prophets and true wise men. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you that all these things will come upon this generation. In other words, you know, so there are real prophets. There are true wise men. There are righteous scribes. But that's what there has to be, the right ones, the good ones, the true ones, before you can have the counterfeit. He said that the, basically this is coming to a head now. Mm-hmm. And, and the, Truly. the ones that I have sent, and the ones that I will, I'm sending now, the ones that I will send in the future, you're going to reject them. But what's going to happen? The blood of there is going to be required of you. And, and we can look at it maybe in a week or well, two you know, following about six, how Jerusalem was destroyed. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, all these people were, were killed, murdered. Uh, well, but nowadays, we're, but Jesus said, six verses after this admonition in 23 of Matthew, six verses later, we hear Jesus saying, and Jesus said to them, and they're asking him questions about the end times. The, the last days. He said, the first thing he says, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And this is where we are now. You know, back in those days, yeah, we're talking about those guys, the good old days. They were deceived. We get it. We understand that they were becoming OCD with their cleaning of the cups and the pictures, the outsides and the insides mm-hmm. are full of uh, self-indulgence and, 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 and uh, extortion. But we have that that multiplied by a thousand, a million times worse of what's going on Today. now. Oh, yeah. It's everywhere. And the only way you're going to discern the truth is Jesus said he is the way through his Holy Spirit. That's the, the truth of the God's Holy Spirit is the only way we're going to walk through this minefield of, of deception and false Jesuses and antichrist spirits. And, and doctrines of devils, and mm. even those doctrines of devils are being preached in the church, really, a lot of them. Mm. And so mm-hmm. the, the only mm-hmm. way is to get back, take your soul back before the Lord, repent. Get back to the Word take of God. Take responsibility, if you want to use that word, for your su- salvation by surrendering to Jesus Christ. So Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. 
from in Acts chapter 20. And I, we have to remember that, Marjorie, there are true people who of lead God. us and, and love us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Therefore, take heed to yourselves, he said, and to all the flock mm-hmm. among which, this is, he's writing to the elders in the church at Ephesus, among who, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. He says, this is not a small thing. Mm-hmm. You are to oversee them. You are to lead them. You are to love them. You are to nurture them. Mm-hmm. And and he said, um, he talks to the elders, and Peter does, in in First Peter 5, uh, 2 and 3, shepherd the flock of God, lead them, t- feed them, teach them, love them, which is among you, not just, you know, under you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, mm-hmm. but eagerly, not being as lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And we do have you, people Jesus. still that are godly examples to us. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus, and Paul said, whose faith follow. Praise so, God. so, Father, we thank you for your word, your Holy Spirit, and for stirring up our hearts today to hear and heed, take heed to what is being said to know the truth that this is already what God has already been speaking to you because it's through his spirit and through his word and he speaks his word and spirit to us, to our spirit. So, Father, correct our course if it needs to be corrected. Deliver us, uh, get us out of the places that are in danger and entrapments. Lead your people, Father God, by the power of your Holy Spirit into safety and truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Rescue Radio. Because there's a war for your soul.